Welcome to FHSU Tilt Talk, a podcast about educational technologies, teaching and learning, scholarly research, and service, hosted by Teaching Innovation and Learning Technology staff. Welcome to the second part of our podcast series on collaborative learning. Today, we are meeting with our cross-border institutions, faculty, both teach in China, and we'll be sharing how collaborative learning works with students in China. So my name is Letitia Haig. I am the Faculty Development Training Specialist in Teaching Innovation and Learning Technologies, better known as TILT. And today we're discussing collaborative learning, which we've talked about how collaborative learning is sort of an umbrella term for a variety of educational approaches. Um, It can involve joint intellectual efforts by students, but it can also be students and teachers together. So in most collaborative learning situations, students are working in groups of two or more, mutually searching for understanding in solutions or meanings or creating a product. And so today we're going to discuss how collaborative learning is a socially produced knowledge um, and and peers are working to create shared artifacts and meanings by working collaboratively. And so today I have two guests that I'd like to introduce, Bruce and Jane Miller. So I'd like to say thank you for being with me today on the podcast. And can you share a little bit about yourself before we dive into what collaborative learning is? Okay, thank you, Leticia, for having us. And uh, yeah, it's a privilege. Awesome, <laughs> so, I'm, I'm excited to have you here. <laughs> thank you. So I'm Jane Miller, and I am part of the Robbins College of Business, um, you know, teaching management subjects and marketing, but mainly for our cross-border uh, students that we teach in China for our Chinese program. Thank you. Uh Ditto for everything Jane said. We've been teaching in China now for five years, for three years for me, three and a half years for Jane, for four days. So we've been there between six and seven semesters teaching business management, marketing, business law, international finance. We wear several hats while we're there. Okay, very good. And something that you've had to do that's been unique to teaching our cross-border students is you've been remote for some time, correct? You've been teaching them remote. Yes. Yes. We started actually face-to-face, at least I did, Okay. Um, the first semester, and then we came back to the U.S. for a month's vacation and boom. (laughs) (laughs) So you've been been in the U.S. since at least the spring of 2020. So, well, let's jump in and talk about collaborative learning. So can you explain some of those collaborative learning strategies or techniques or even projects that you utilize in your courses? Yeah, so uh, what I've had most experience in, and and I would say uh, it's benefited the students the most, is when I give them a group project. You know, so because that's a little more than, you know, a spot on like group discussions. If I put them like if you're, you know, doing remote through Zoom and I send the students into a room, that's also collaborative learning. But that's just for that, you know, for that uh, few 20 minutes or so. But when I give them a group project, you know, so I kind of build in that component to, uh, you know, to enhance their team building skills, their teamwork skills, their you know, the other uh, simple things like uh, active listening, critical thinking. So, you know, that forms part of our, uh, of the courses that I've taught because, and I grade them. I mean, that's a, that's a substantial part of their overall grade. Yeah. That's been my strategy to keep them uh, engaged with one another and through the course. Okay. Very good. 
I'll add to that. Additionally, we give them projects that are, let's say, too big for one or two students to do. So that they are getting bigger projects, they're making presentations, and as part of our teaching, the students are teaching the rest of the class since they're making presentations. So while rather than having lecture only where we're the only teacher speaking, we have each of our students are involved in teaching their classmates and working together mm -hmm. as a team. That's awesome. So it sounds like you have really been intentional into the design of these collaborative projects. Can you elaborate a little bit more on how you have been intentional in creating an atmosphere for collaborative learning in your courses? As I said, the assignment we give them or the project involves many segments and we don't want it to be one student doing all the work. So we intentionally make it too large for one or two students. Okay. We give segments in it. We also make sure that even though it is a project, there are separate components to it. And that way, when the students make, and they have to present, make it, it might be a video, it might be a class presentation if we're actually present, but we make sure that every student has to participate they have to give their section just one thing i'd like to add and this is specific to our students in china they are more comfortable working in teams you know in okay that's something you know we see more because uh, individually many of them they don't answer in class or you know they're not that participatory but they are perfectly okay with you know grouping them together so that's a that's a positive okay yeah. So that's definitely sort of a side benefit to collaborative learning for you, isn't it? Do you see other side benefits to collaborative learning? Okay, it uh, one another big thing I realized is, okay, when I first when we first entered China, it was like you know uh, these students they are not good at critical thinking, they're not good at creativity. We heard a lot of you know they're not good at this, they're not so you know. It was actually their way of preparing us, you know? So, but I think all those theories go out of the window when you have a group project. I mean, the, the, I had this particular group of students and this was when I was doing face-to-face -face, uh, the first semester and I was teaching marketing. And I just had them, you know, had each uh, group create a presentation on some marketing topic that I'd given them. And one group actually created a small ad film and I was blown. I didn't ask them for it, you know, and here it was, and it was, I think they did one on, you know, the bad effects of smoking, of course, <laughs> very common. And I mean, it's all over campus. They smoke a lot and, you know, on campuses there. So this, these students, this group of students got together and as a, a preamble to their presentation, they had a small video clip where they actually did a, a you know, it was hardly, I think, 30 second ad. They acted out, they shot it. It was, it was brilliant. So I think they, you know, we don't have to ask them or we generally just give them direction and then, you know, they take it on. So, you know, it gives them confidence. And when they get the feedback, like how I'm just telling you about that, and they, it really, you know, does a lot for them also, you know, they get that confidence, you know, so, sure. you, know, you know, students whom I've never seen participating in class are suddenly active on the screen. 
So that's a big benefit for in their building their self-confidence. You know? Okay, so. very good. As part of the teamwork, uh, being comfortable in teams, yeah. a lot of students would be much better at being in a group presentation than speaking alone. Oh. Meaning okay. we had students that did not want to speak in class, but in the group presentation, we discovered that they were much better students than we had known. Yeah. Okay, very good. Um, I, I wanted to ask also um, sort of what Jane was talking about, but you kind of reiterated this with what you just said. Do you give them any kind of um, guidance on how to work in a team? You know, you talk about giving them the or project, but do you also give them some guidelines on how to, to work as a team so that they can build that social belonging that you're talking about? Absolutely, because, okay, when we give them the project, like it's, you know, I tell them to do research, say, on marketing strategies or consumer behavior, say, in, in Europe, you know, that's the, that, I mean, that's as, you know, these are not simple topics. These are like, they need to spend time. So I tell them very clearly that when they present, I need to know which student did the research for which slide, you know, and when they're presenting it, it every uh, person in that group has to present at least one slide, otherwise the whole group gets negative points. So, you know, I force them all to kind of, they have to all do the work. It cannot be that one person does everything and then presents and, you know, the whole group. So we have two components to grade them. One is actually a group. Uh, you know, the group gets, uh, everyone gets a group score and then they get individual points too, you know? So that way we get to see that uh, all of them have to participate, all of them have to do the work and they and it has to be visible. They can't say, oh, I did this. And uh, then, you know, let me guess, yeah. Okay, we have required components in it. Yeah. Everybody has to speak, things like that. But beyond that, we give them the freedom is the how yeah. they want to do it. Because yeah. if we tell them we want you to have a PowerPoint, we want you to have, you know, X number of slides, one slide per person, as Jane said, at least one slide. Least, yeah. But they might want to approach it differently and not even have a PowerPoint. We don't say it yeah. has to be this or that. We say what we're going to grade on. Every student has to yeah. be seen and heard. They have to cover the assignment. Yeah, and uh, and my finding has been that if we give them, and you know, I give them the minimum requirement, no team sticks to that. They always go beyond. They actually write and tell me, teacher, you know, this is a this is our file size. Will it be okay? I said, bring it on. I mean, you know, that's so encouraging when I get those emails. I'll say, don't worry about you know if we can get it, especially when you're remote and they have to send the file. It, you know, sometimes we have technical issues, uh, you know, but, you know, I let them do what they want, how they want to do it, as long as I have the finished product for me to grade. Okay. Um, there is one thing we do not negotiate, and that is formation of teams. We pick the teams. Okay. And it's actually random. I just go by the roster and say, okay, first five, the next five. Uh, and you want to explain why we do that? Okay. Uh, yes. They're going to join the real world when they graduate. They're going to work for companies. And when they work for companies, they will be working on teams. And they won't get to pick their own teams. The boss will say, here is your team. 
They have to learn how to work with strangers. They have to learn how to work with, well, co-workers that they're not friends with. Mm -hmm. And we want to give them that experience. And we also want to, them to understand that they should not have teams where everybody has the same qualifications because everybody will come up with the same solution, the same approach, you know, but when they pick on their own, they're picking their friends, their people with the same majors, this, that, whatever. And uh, when they do a project, it would be better if they had people from different backgrounds and that and learn how to work with people that they have to work with rather than ones they want to work with. Mm -hmm. Yes, I agree. It eliminates that group think. Um, yeah. it, it brings in different perspectives. Very good. Yeah. And um, so you touched a little bit on it. Many employers want graduates who have a willingness and a readiness to engage in productive teamwork, just like you were talking about. So how do the projects or the strategies that you use with collaborative learning in your classes or your courses, how do you think that that really prepares them for the real world? Again, by making it broad, you know, trying to make it that it's beyond one person or one major. You know, we want them to bring in different approaches, different ideas, and come up with a conclusion as such. So while each person might, we don't want the presentations to be totally separate, you know, where they don't know what it is. So they have to learn how to merge all of their sections into the final presentation because yes, they might get a great grade on their individual one, but we're not grading, let's say five, we are giving grades for five individual one parts, but we're given a grade for the entire project. So if it's just totally different, one person does a movie, one person does a PowerPoint, you know? Right. So the to answer your question about the skills that they are picking up, one is of course teamwork and uh, you know, cooperation and everything that goes, you know, into getting that finished product. The other thing is they they tend to help the ones who are lagging. Okay. You know, so that was a question that, I was gonna have is sometimes yeah. people say collaborative learning or group work is unfair. There's people that do more in a group than than not. And so that so it looks like you're going to address that. So I'm excited to hear what you have to say. Okay. So so you know, by keeping the individual points, we know that the students have to for themselves do something, you know, otherwise they lose those and we and they know that we are very clear on grading that way. So, you know, they they and we explain that right on top that yes, you will get a group project grade, but you will also like it's for example, if it's 25, I'm just saying, if it's 25 points for the whole project, we give 15% for the group and then 10 for each, you know? So if you don't do a good job, you're pulling your group down and you'll get a low individual score, score. That's one. And the second thing is most of the projects that we give them are, you know, it's not something that's in the textbook. Like when I said, you know, consumer behavior in Europe, they have to go out and get the information, you know. So when they actually join industry and industry's expectations are very, uh, you know, it's very high when you have an MBA joining a company and these are all business management students, they have their expectations. And we need to make the students understand that, listen, yeah, you may have one month of training or so on, but then you're 
put on your real life on your own and you need to if there's a group work you have to do it with the team if there's something they want you to get you know information so we they just by giving them one project we get them to actually learn how to utilize even the resources where and how to find information how to collate it how to present it and also um you know they have to when i say sometimes that okay uh, what i'm going to do is you can send me your whole file but you know i need the information also in a summary or something like that then they need to know where to cut where to edit you know how much to send me so there's a lot of things that they do pick up on the way and like i said one thing is the uh, you know they have to the i always tell them the first thing they have to do is pick a group leader and the okay. group leader has the responsibility of getting the project to me of ensuring that the project gets done on time and that person will get bonus points i always tell them that if the project is good your your individual scores like will be maxed you know for the for the project leader so that gives you know so you you also find people uh, you know like i like i said students who have not spoken in class become project leaders and how they you know they grow into that role so that's all very interesting and that's what industry expects from education you know because i've been in the industry for you know over a decade before i joined um you know teaching and it became a faculty so i know what the industry expects you know so our our aim is to make them as ready as we can okay i hate to say this but a good point of covid was they have to learn how to work together remotely yes. with people that they've never seen before. They have to adjust times. It's very difficult doing this uh, for them and for us. You know, we're not used to, we're used to having a group meeting with them. Okay, we'll meet after class or something like that. They now have to, when we give them projects like that, and again, we have students from various levels who don't know each other yeah. and they're in a group and they have to make connections and work together and pick a captain, a team leader. And yeah, yes. Yeah. Th those are actually two of the questions that I had. Uh, you were talking about having a group leader. Are there other positions that you have in these projects uh, for other students or do you just focus on having a, a project leader mostly? Yeah, mainly it's a project leader because ideally these, uh, you know, these groups are, see, then it's their duty to assign tasks. Right. Okay. You know, so that, that uh, and we tell them that the group leader can work with the team and decide who does what, you know, if somebody is going to do consumer behavior in, say, the retail industry in Europe, that's one, you know, so one student gets, you know, gets that portion, you know, and somebody else does it on some other industry in Europe, you know, how does a consumer so that is the group leaders responsibility. So and I, I mean, I don't think I've had a, a group larger than six or seven students. So it doesn't make sense for me to, you know, get into remote micromanaging, you know, they the students need to get that and they do that. Sure. So, sure. So. so then my next question sort of led into what Bruce already talked a little bit about with with COVID was how do you use utilize collaborative learning in an online environment and especially maybe even an asynchronous environment? Uh, because you're still you're still state stateside. So that means you're 12 hours difference from your students, correct? Yes. 14 hours. 14. OK. Excuse me. OK. But uh, our classes there tend to be much larger. They're, I would say, twice the size of normal uh, campus 
classes. So unfortunately, we can't have all presentations made. You know, we would have too many hours. Uh, lost in I won't say lost, <laughs> but uh, involved if everybody presented, you know, if we posted every presentation and had everybody watch, watch it. So they turn it into us. And uh, unfortunately, would like everyone to see everyone, but it's not practical because when you have 10 teams of six students, each student making it, and we only have, you know, a two hour class twice a week, uh, that's going to, we might as well spend the whole semester on presentations, give right. them a presentation for this semester and then say, okay, next semester, we're all watching. <laughs> Okay, I just want to add one thing. So, so far, all the project work that I've done is either face-to-face -face or synchronous because uh, ever since the COVID thing started, we personally went, we were synchronized throughout. You know, we never went. But this semester, I have, I will be facing this challenge because for the first time, I have an asynchronous class. So that will be interesting because there is project work, which Earlier, you know, the team had done, I'll have to see what can be done. But while they are remote, uh, since we have Zoom sessions, the students get to interact and they know, okay. So, and one thing in China, you know, is that they have a, a platform called WeChat, which is their, you know, I think that is their most commonly used, widely used uh, platform. And they have other tools and techniques that, you know, that hasn't reached the U.S. So, sure. you know, that is why I said, you know, that like that uh, recent, you know, TikTok came from there. I mean, everything comes from there, you know. So they, these students already have some level of technology. And I, and that's one thing we don't stop them from using whatever is available for them to use. I don't say, no, you have to use VoiceThread or they have not used VoiceThread. You know, so and uh, and we use Bitgrid, but the students don't know how to use it. So that much of freedom I give them because one, they are also uh, some of them are not on campus. They are all over the place. So they need to have that degree of freedom. So they use whatever tools that they have access to. They they collaborate on WeChat, you know, rather than on Blackboard, because half the time if the net is down, Blackboard won't work for them if they're, you know, because many of them stay in areas where sometimes they don't, uh, you know, they cannot, it the net goes down or things like that. So we have to be realistic. So, you know, if maybe we are more, uh, it's the easiest to do projects when it's face-to-face, -face, but remote, we've, we've kind of now managed that. And like I said, this uh, semester, I'll try asynchronous and see how it works, but yeah, I'll have to figure out a new strategy for the students and tell them how to do it, probably. Okay. Yeah. So. Well, it sounds like flexibility is important, uh, not only as an instructor, but as a student when you're doing some sort of collaborative learning project. Yes. I think it's important that we all have that flexibility with us, which is one of those teamwork skills that we have to develop in the right. real world um, outside of the classroom as well. So, yeah. um, well, we are about out of time. I do have one last question for you. And that is, you know, collaborative learning is attracting interest because it addresses several different preoccupations related to improving student learning. And you've talked about several of them, but I wondered if you had any others that you wanted to add about how collaborative learning that, that you implement um, offers a personal and active engagement in your course? 
one, uh, you know, one thing that we are all assuming is that, yeah, maybe the term is new, collaborative learning, but it's, you know, even when we were in college, we actually did it without having these fancy terms. So, you know, uh, so even things like, like I said, on Zoom, when we have the breakout rooms, you know, so what I do is when I, uh, when I give them questions to work on in the breakout rooms, again, I tell them the first thing they have to do is assign a group leader and a group spokesperson. You know, it can be the same. I've given them that flexibility. It could be the same person or different uh, people, but I give them a time limit and they have to come out and they come out with much more than what I expect. Honestly, I mean, I've seen it, you know, like if I ask a question to the class, I may get a one line answer, two line answer, send them into a room and they come back with paragraphs and, you know, different ideas. And so that by itself, you know, it's so evident that they obviously it's not one person's thought. It's and and I tell them at least five points, you know, when you come back to the class and those points they shared then and there with the rest of the class, you know, so that is like really sharing that information with the rest of the class. And that way the whole class um, gains, the students themselves do. And instead of having, asking each question, you know, that I would have generally asked a person and, you know, getting one answer, then going to the next person, uh, you know, it makes it easier for all, for us to get those, you know, better answers in a short way, you know, okay. I just have to coax them. Yeah. And, you know, prompt them, you know, and things like that. So, like I said, they are more comfortable working together in a team. That's one thing. And second thing that I've seen is once I start using these room things, everybody is more prepared for the classes because you don't know who's going to be in your room, you know, and if you don't uh, give the right, you know, get the right answers or what at least meet some expectations, you lose your group participation point for that week, you know, okay. so one main thing I do, or we do rather, is grading. You know, we in whatever, I think any effort that the student makes needs to be graded because that's when they see the results. Otherwise, you know, we say, yeah, good job. Yeah, great. Okay. So where does it show, you know? So we grade them for this, uh, you know, for participating in class, you know, so they get points for that. So they make sure that they at least try and answer. And I've seen that as the classes, like maybe the first two weeks, it'll be slow. And suddenly when they see on Blackboard that these students are getting points, okay, then it picks up. You know, right. everybody wants to talk and everybody wants to participate in those room discussions and things like that. So yeah, Bruce. Okay. Uh, <laughs> collaborative learning projects basically involves the students in both teaching and learning. They are participating. They're not sitting back, watching and listening and taking notes. They are getting involved because they are spreading information, getting it from other sources. It's not just us and them, teacher and students. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a great way to put it, Bruce. Yeah. And just to add, I like his one technique that he's introduced is like he asks the students to make presentations on the you know, on the content of the chapter. And that's like, that's very, that's really caught on. <laughs> yeah, that, so, that's a fabulous idea. That really allows them to become the expert in the content area rather than uh, you being the teacher who's just feeding it to them. Yeah. So yeah, I, I do like that. That's a great idea. Well, do you have anything else that you would like to add about collaborative learning before we wrap up for today? Just this that, you know, like it sounds very fancy, but it's something 
you know, it's that we've been doing and everyone does. It's just that you need to uh, say intentionally put it into your, make it a part of your course and it will definitely benefit not only the uh, students, but also you as a faculty, you know, because you get to engage more with the students, understand the students better. So it's, it's, it does a, it's positive, positive. I don't see anything negative coming. Okay. But you have to give the students enough time to do the work. Yeah. And then they have to learn time management. Yes. In order. So another to one of those it. side benefits. Yes. 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 <laughs> Very good. Well, I really appreciate both of you joining me today. And I thank you for sharing what you do in your classes, but also how you work with cross-border students, because I think that's something that's important to our faculty. So thank you for taking the time today. And we will talk to you soon. And I look forward to hearing even more about what you do with collaborative learning. Thank, Thank you, you for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of FHSU Tilt Talk. Subscribe on Spotify, Amazon, and Google Podcasts. In the meantime, check out the Tiger Learn blog or the Tilt social media pages for updates. We'll see you next time.